This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It is anything but a happy occasion for anybody that is involved in the Trump organization. Because, as I'm sure a lot of you know, this bank fraud trial has been going on in New York State, where you have the Attorney General, Letitia James, pursuing this civil fraud trial, which is basically seeking to kick Donald Trump out of his own company. And you know what really hit home for me on uh, Tuesday of last week? They had the company's former accountant, Jeffrey McConney, and, uh, testifying. And he's on the witness stand, and he starts crying. This guy, this this very professional, very accomplished accountant, starts crying on the witness stand. And he bemoaned the way law enforcement keeps targeting him, meaning the accountant, to get his former boss. Former boss. Doesn't even still work there. And I just thought, what a shame that is. Because how different would the world be not only for Jeffrey McConney, but for Donald Trump, Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, if Donald Trump had never run for president before and just kept doing what he was doing. I don't think you would have not only not seen this bank fraud trial, I don't think you would have seen these four criminal prosecutions, whatever you think of Donald Trump, even Michael Smirconish, who's not a, a Trump guy at all has said that uh, he doesn't think these prosecutions would have been brought, certainly not the Alvin Bragg case, but for Donald Trump's political activism. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what Trump has said from the beginning about these criminal prosecutions. This trial is a total witch hunt, and I should be entitled to a jury like everybody else is entitled to a jury. I have no rights to have a jury. Ridiculous. Thank you very much. Uh, now, I think actually there might have been a situation in which he could have gotten a jury in that civil trial, but he has said the same thing about the four criminal prosecutions. And that's why uh, a lot of the people that have been bemoaning Donald Trump's treatment by the Department of Justice and by prosecutors in New York and Georgia may be surprised to learn that they're on the same side of an issue of people that they wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye with. And all this was sort of articulated very well for me in a column that I read in The Hill by Sheldon Evans, who's a professor of law at Washington University in St. Louis, and he focuses primarily on the intersections of criminal sentencing, punishment theory, and immigration policies. Uh, Professor Sheldon Evans, thanks so much for staying up late or getting up early with us. I'm, I'm happy to be on with you here, Frank, um, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. 
Sheldon, I know before we discuss your op-ed, which I thought was uh, really interesting, in addition to the work that you're doing now out, out in Missouri, you used to be a teacher out in my neck of the woods in New York at St. John's and a lot of other East Coast schools. We're heard in New York now. We're heard on KMOX in St. Louis now. Culturally, lifestyle-wise, what's the biggest difference between living and working in New York versus living and working in St. Louis? Oh, boy. Well, um, I would say the biggest change is the really the, the pace, the pace of it. You know, every place in the country has a different pace. Um, and you know, New York city, um, is, is just alive, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, um, there, there, there's so many great people there. Um, and everybody's always on all the time. And that's, um, that has a lot of great qualities to it. Um, and other places in the country, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed, um, you know, including my home state of California, I would, I would, um, uh, argue is is that way as well. So it's it's a it's a bit of a more relaxed pace, which which works um, for for some people who aren't you know um, as as uh, maybe born and bred in New York. Uh, gotcha. Makes makes a lot of sense, uh, Sheldon. I thought your op ed really made a lot of sense, no matter where people come from uh, across the political spectrum. My guess, and it's only guess, my guess, though, just so folks know where you're coming from, is that politically you're not a Trump supporter. Would I be accurate in that guess? Um, you you have me dead to rights. Okay, I, I gotcha. would put myself in, in that camp. Gotcha. We just had a discussion, and it's it, uh, I thought it was an interesting discussion, and a lot of people raised interesting points about what teachers going from, you know, the high school level, the collegiate level, all the way up to what you do at law school, what they should tell their students about their own political views. Do you do you tell your students where you come down on political issues? That's a very interesting question about kind of the philosophy of teaching. My standpoint is um I do not tell my students uh, where I personally lean uh, because my goal in the classroom isn't really to pontificate my own views. My goal in the classroom is to give the students tools um, in which they can come to their their own conclusions. And, um, you know, I I think for, for me, uh, the mark of a great teacher is one where at the end of the semester, you don't really know where they lean. Mm. Um, and that's, that's my own perspective. Many teachers I respect have different perspectives, uh, but that's how I tend to structure my own philosophy. All right. Um, as far as you can tell, do you think these Trump criminal prosecutions are political? Uh, yes, yes. Um, now, it's not as simple as as simply saying, um, you know, because Trump is a Republican, then that means everybody who's a Democrat, um, you know, especially political leaders are are always going to be after him. And that's the only thing that matters in these decisions. It's D versus R. 
and it's R versus D. Right? That that's that's an oversimplified um, version or an oversimplified answer to kind of the the poli- how politics are involved in crime. Um, but politics is certainly a factor um, that that decision makers take into account. So when you have uh, you know left leaning Democrats and left leaning prosecutors uh, who are looking to make a name for themselves, um, you know a, a big fish like Donald Trump is uh, certainly somebody to uh, you know that that they focus on and would put under, I think, additional scrutiny than, um, you know, than than kind of the average citizen in their jurisdiction. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. You uh, get into some of the institutional problems with uh, that lead to things like this, which I want to get into in a moment. But if, I'm curious if you share my view that um, if Trump were not running for president now, it's very unlikely that these five cases, the four criminal cases and the civil fraud case, would have been brought by prosecutions. Do you agree with that? That's a, that is a tough question. Um, I think that there, there might be something to that. Um, I, I do think that there, there is somewhat of an urgency. And when you look at the time of these cases, um, Donald Trump's candidacy makes, um, makes the decision to charge him. And when these, when these charging decisions came out, um, it it certainly was part of the calculus of what to charge him with, when to charge him and also where he's being charged as well. Um, so I do think that his, his upcoming candidacy was a factor, um, I don't know if it's if it was the deciding factor. If if he wasn't running, would these things you know still be uh, coming against him? Uh, but I but I think that there's a good argument that you know I, I, that 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 was an important factor in moving forward with with some of these cases. Many people have probably heard that uh, Jim Jordan and several other House Republicans are threatening to investigate local prosecutors over these Trump prosecutions. You you write in your piece for The Hill, uh, which I'm going to link to, and uh, people could check out at facebook.com slash moranofan. You write, one need not agree with Trump's claims of political martyrdom 
or with would-be House Speaker Jim Jordan's threats to investigate local prosecutors to understand the perverse incentives of a politicized criminal legal system. What are the incentives of a politicized criminal justice system, Sheldon? Yeah, so most of us think about crime and, you know, punishing offenders uh, based on, you know, some sense of moral justice that, you know, people who do something wrong and they know that it's wrong are being punished fairly according to, you know, what they did wrong. And that's really an idealized sense of the criminal legal system. And that's not always how it works out. So some of the perverse incentives that seep their way into the existing criminal legal system are things like political considerations. So, you know, everybody who does something wrong isn't necessarily getting punished. And there are people um, who are looking to maybe garner votes by targeting certain people, you know, on this side of the aisle, you know, there might be some left-leaning prosecutors that are looking to garner votes in their blue districts by targeting uh, former President Donald Trump. But, you know, that also works on the other side of the aisle. There might be um, some right-leaning prosecutors or policymakers that are looking to garner votes by targeting, mm-hmm. uh, by targeting certain communities as well. So I think this is such an interesting point. Obviously, in a place like Manhattan, Donald Trump, on the whole, is not popular. So if you're running for office in Manhattan like Alvin Bragg is, it's an easy way to score some political points by prosecuting Donald Trump. If you're a prosecutor in a state like uh, Wyoming or West Virginia and you have an opportunity to bring a prosecution against Hunter Biden, I imagine there are going to be no shortage of voters that think that's a good idea and then either elect you or reelect you. Given what we're seeing with elected prosecutors in the Trump cases, you have Alvin Bragg, Fonnie Willis, and uh, Letitia James. Do you think that it would depoliticize the legal system and the criminal justice system to have appointed prosecutors, as, say, New Jersey does on the county level, rather than elected prosecutors? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I I do think that it would certainly help mitigate some of the, you know, these perverse incentives we're talking about. You know, if prosecutors didn't have to worry about, you know, garnering votes for their next um, election. However, you know, let's say that, you know, there's an appointed prosecutor, you know, and, and we have to ask the question, who are they being appointed by? They're, they're still going to be appointed right. by some political actor, whether that's the governor, you know, they're, you know, federal judges are appointed by the president of the United States. So there's still going to be some political considerations in who does that person in power appoint to be a prosecutor. Um, and um, is, you know, that prosecutor doesn't, isn't necessarily doing that person's bidding, but there are political considerations in who is appointed to be a prosecutor. Well, it's likely to be somebody who leans 
um, in in uh, in the in kind of the, the political favor of the person doing the appointing. So there there are still going to be some trickle down effects of uh, kind of political considerations and who's being selected to be a prosecutor and where they tend to lean in their kind of criminal justice philosophy. Right. One of the uh, best examples of that is when uh, George W. Bush uh, took the unprecedented step of dismissing seven U.S. attorneys. And uh, the rumor was that the Bush administration was unhappy that these people weren't prosecuting Democrats or that they weren't putting the brakes on investigations into Republican prosecution. So to your point, you can absolutely have uh, appointed prosecutors that are just as political as the as the elected ones. So um, when we talk about going after uh, Donald Trump, Right. Obviously, Donald Trump is very famous. And there are other people that have been the subject of high level criminal prosecutions before that happen to be famous. People like Roger Clemens, people like uh, Martha Stewart, folks like uh, John Edwards, folks, you know, Mm -hmm. in a wide variety of sectors. Is it about is it political or is it about getting high profile scalps so that the prosecutor that gets that high profile scalp can then benefit from the publicity and the other opportunities that come with being front and center of uh, a high-profile case? Well, it can be a little bit of both. Um, I I certainly think that uh, many prosecutors are incentivized by kind of trying to reel in a big fish. And that doesn't always have to be politicized, right? There, There can be... Uh, you know, various nonpartisan celebrity type offenders um, that would uh, that would also benefit a prosecutor's career to say, you know, I, I brought down Martha Stewart as, as being one of your examples. But now let's play that out a little bit. If if a prosecutor brings down Martha Stewart, well, is that still a politicized uh, decision to a certain extent it is mm. even though Martha Stewart is nonpartisan that prosecutor can still themselves benefit politically by going after a big fish so it's not always about the the politicization of the of the target but it can also benefit the political career of um, of the prosecutor and you know really quickly Another New York example is uh, Mayor uh, Rudy Giuliani, who back in the day, you know, he was he went after the mob. Very, very, um, you know, maybe famous is the wrong word, but but a targeted a a powerful group and made a big name for himself and rode that all the way into the mayor's office. Yeah, uh, no question about it. Uh, that's a great example. Um, one of the things that I hear from a lot of Trump supporters is that it seems like the Justice Department only cuts one way, that when Republicans do something wrong or someone associated with Donald Trump does something wrong, they get indicted or investigated. And uh, there is a feeling that that's not as common uh, when it's the other side of the aisle. Is that true? Have Democrats been the victim of these sort of political prosecutions as well? I would say you have to look at the arc of history. 
Um, so, so for the history buffs, uh, the answer is almost certainly yes, but it worked a little bit differently. So, you know, this goes back even to the 60s and 70s. It's something I talk a little bit about in my article um, that uh, Republican presidents, especially such as Richard Nixon, um, actually targeted people and used the criminal justice system from the president's office to target groups that he believed uh, were his political enemies. And he targeted and, and used policies to target um, left-leaning anti-war, what he called hippies, you know, his term, not mine, and also African-Americans. Both of these groups he deemed to, you know, not be voting for him and, you know, be, to be voting against him. Um, and so he made it known um, you know, at least among his inner circle that, you know, he was going to target these certain groups to, um, to kind of lessen their political power and, you know, so that he could gain politically from that. Um, and those are two groups that historically would vote Democrat, um, and might still be voting Democrat. Um, and we see some of the the impacts of mass incarceration still impacting uh, some of those groups even to this day. Is that why there has historically, at least until recently, been such a disparity for the mandatory minimum prison sentence for crack cocaine versus regular powdered cocaine? That's that's certainly part of it. Um, and you know, there, there still is a sentencing disparity under federal law and, you know, different States have, um, you know, have, have different, uh, ways of, of, uh, targeting those, those different crimes. Um, but you know, the, the mandatory minimums, if you look across the board, um, you know, race does indeed play a factor. Um, in who's being targeted, what communities are um, are kind of a part of the the dragnet, um, and what cases are being brought to prosecutors, and then ultimately the decision of prosecutors to charge certain crimes and and apply for certain sentences um, does often um, uh, unfortunately have dis- have racial disparities uh, to them. Talking with Sheldon Evans, he's a professor of law at Washington University in St. Louis. You write that we the people are partially to blame for the politicization of the legal system. How come? What did we do? Well, we are the people, to use that phrase, that are voting in politicians. You know, the the power of this great government that we have um, is derived from us. We have the power to vote, um, and um, we are voting in the types of politicians that are, um, you know, that are engaged in these perverse incentives. Um, but it goes a little bit deeper than that because uh, politicians, on their part, are also. Um, using crime as a um, as a tool that somewhat drives fear, and there are few things that drive people um, in their lives or certainly to the voting booths 
um, more than fear. It's, it's the fear of crime, and it's, it's a very real fear um, that motivates a lot of people to, to vote and to, to vote a certain way and to vote for the tough-on-crime candidate. We've heard that before. Um, and that was very popular in the 80s, 90s, and, and it's even uh, popular to this day. Which of these candidates is going to keep us safe from crime? Um, and so that is indeed a fear that politicians play on, and it is something that we, the people, are still voting on. And as long as we vote um, you know, according to crime policies, politicians will continue to push that button. And, you know, as I say in my op-ed, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that we should be driven mm-hmm. by crime policies, um, you know, to, to pick who is the best leader, you know, for our particular jurisdiction or country. Sheldon, I'm going to have to end it there. I very much appreciate the time. I hope we can talk again in the future. Thanks so much, Frank. Take care. Thank you, Sheldon Evans. And again, if you want to read the piece, uh, we there's a lot more detail other than what we just spoke about, but you can go to my Facebook page. I just posted it up there, facebook.com slash Fan. That's facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. This is The Other Side of Midnight. You can comment if you like, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Comment if you like, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Vitama Tapinarov Cream 1% is a prescription topical treatment for adults with plaque psoriasis. Do not use if you're allergic to Vitama Cream. The most common side effects, red raised bumps around the hair pores, pain or swelling in the nose and throat, skin rash or irritation, itching and redness, peeling, burning or stinging, headache and flu. Tell your doctor about all the medicines you take and if you're pregnant or plan to be, ask your doctor if Vitama Cream is right for you. You deserve more from your topical. Go to Vitama.com. That's V-T-A-M-A dot com.